Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. I'm Claire Hatton. And I'm Greta Thomas. And we're on a mission to help you achieve your goals. We're all about sharing the secrets of the world's most innovative and pioneering successful women. Hear their uplifting stories and practical advice right here. Yes, right here. And if you're enjoying this podcast, then why not sign up for our newsletter at hello at don'tstopusnow.co and keep listening for this week's latest episode. Hi, I'm Greta Thomas. And I'm Claire Hatton. And welcome to this week's episode all about how to say no at work, whether you're employed or working for yourself. This is one of our regular how-to episodes where we take a common career challenge or problem and dissect it, sharing wisdom from our amazing guests and also drawing upon the leadership development work we do with high-growth tech companies around the world. Exactly. And of course, when we're talking about saying no at work, we should clarify that we're not talking about gender harassment no's, although they're massively important and very topical right now, of course. What we're talking about today is saying no's to requests and asks for your time. Yeah, and defining those boundaries for yourself and being able to say no in the right way, whether to colleagues or potential clients, can be pretty challenging, can't it? It sure can. You know, I think it's this episode's really timely too. You know, Microsoft came out with research in the past week. It's part of their 2021 Work Trend Index annual report. And they said that of 30,000 employees they surveyed in 31 countries, 54% of them said they feel overworked. And a huge 39% of those said they feel exhausted. Wow, that's quite phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. And when you think of all the extra emails and chats and virtual meetings we're having because of all the remote working in the past year, it makes sense that working virtually would be more demanding and more exhausting. Absolutely. You know, and I just have to share this one stat from the Microsoft report. They calculated that the number of emails delivered to commercial and education organizations is up by more than 40 billion emails for the month of February this year. Just just February. Wow. In one month. That just makes me tired just thinking about it. Yeah, I know, right? Well, let's dive into saying no. We want to start by separating out the differences in saying no between when you're self-employed and when you're an employee. If you have your own business, it can be very different to wanting to say no to colleagues or a manager. That's for sure. And we're going to cover both scenarios today. So just keep listening. And let's start with saying no to a colleague or a manager. And in fact, I've actually got a really great, and it's a very creative example that emerged just in this past week from the investment bank, Goldman Sachs. Oh yeah, what's that? Well, a group of junior analysts, now they're at the very bottom of the rung of the career steps at 
in investment banking. They got together because they were so concerned about how long they were working and the effect it was having on their mental health and their relationships and numerous other things. So they decided amongst themselves to run a survey about the hours they all worked and the impact that it was having on them. Then they presented the data and the results to their managers and the stats were horrifying. In the week these young analysts did the survey, the average hours worked by them each was 108 hours in a week. Wow. That's 15 hours a day, including Saturday and Sunday. Exactly. Seven days a week, 15 hours a day. No wonder they were suffering. And the data and the requests that these analysts made to their managers prompted Goldman's global CEO to come out last week and say the firm would be trying much harder and it would give those analysts at least one day a week off. Well, yeah, I should think so too. That, I mean, that's just crazy. But, you know, I guess banding together and pulling data from their own survey was a really creative way of saying no. No, we cannot work these crazy hours. Yeah, exactly. They were saying enough is enough. And sometimes when you have that sort of position of very little power, you need to be able to kind of have substance and data and rigor to demonstrate your point. And they did a brilliant job there, clearly. Yeah, I really love that. But, you know, of course, not all of our listeners may have an ongoing scenario like that where they want to say no. Yeah, no, you're right. So should we just dive in? Absolutely. Well, you know, let's talk a bit about why we find saying no difficult. Because, you know, there are a number of reasons, I think, that we just, you know, steer clear of it. You know, reasons include fear we might miss out on something. We're worried we might rock the boat and appear difficult. I think that's a really common one. Perhaps we don't want to disappoint someone we respect, like our manager. Yeah. Worry that we're not being liked, about not being liked. I mean, you know, that's a that's a biggie, I think. Mm. Even, um, you know, concerned about jeopardizing being promoted. Mm. And sometimes we don't like to say no because actually... We're just not clear about what are the priorities because we just haven't spent enough time thinking about it. But, you know, the reality is that those people who do say no gracefully are usually viewed as more effective and focused because they do say no. Yeah, absolutely. And, and actually, they often get more respect too, don't they? Absolutely. So knowing your work priorities at any moment in time really can give you clarity and more courage to say no when something is completely off track in terms of your priorities. The other thing that can help is if you're clear about your values, because that helps you define your own boundaries and even priorities more easily. Yeah, and we've actually got an exercise that we've adapted from one of our podcast guests, Dr. Jacinta Jimenez. It helps you define your values and then set boundaries around your values. If you'd like a copy of that, send us an email at hello at don'tstopusnow.co and we'll send you the exercise. We certainly will. But of course, knowing your boundaries doesn't necessarily make the actual act of saying no any more comfortable, does it? No, it doesn't. But it's so often the important conversations you have to have don't make you feel comfortable. But the more we do them, the easier it gets. That's so true. Couldn't agree more. So what we recommend in terms of saying no is that you try responses like these. These are gracious yet firm. So first, if someone asks you in person, you can buy time to think about it by saying something like, 
let me check my calendar and come back to you or some other, let me do something and I'll come back to you. That's a delaying kind of tactic just to give you time to think. Yeah, I like that one. If you know when you're asked, it's not a priority for you, even if it's interesting, but it's not actually where, you know, for example, your key KPIs might be, you could say something along the lines of, I'm flattered that you thought of me, but I'm really overcommitted right now. Or I just don't have the bandwidth right now, but I could help you in, you know, X put in a number or Y put in another number, X or Y number of weeks. I love that one. In fact, I used that a couple of weeks ago. Uh And another option is I can't help you with that as it's not my area of expertise, but I think the more appropriate team or the more appropriate person would be to try X or Y person or team. Some great examples there. But what about saying no to your manager or someone more senior? Because it is obviously easier to say no to, say, someone who you regard as a peer or even more junior to you. It's so much tougher. You know, I think the Goldman Sachs example we shared earlier is a very creative example of the most junior folk in the firm saying no. But you've got a good example, too, of having to say no to your sort of manager, haven't you, Claire? Yeah, absolutely. Well, some years back, I was really overwhelmed with the amount of work that I had. Something else was thrown on my plate and, you know, it was kind of like the last straw. So what I did was, actually, it was my coach, to give her credit, who suggested I do this. But what I did was I went through my calendar and I looked at where I was spending all my time and I bucketed those areas into sort of core parts of my job. So let's say I had strategy, client meetings, team leadership, administration, and innovation. And I worked out, you know, where I was spending my time. And what I realized from doing that exercise was that I was spending my time doing all these things that I've been asked to do that really weren't priorities or I didn't think they should be priorities. So then I thought, okay, so where do I want the percentages to be in those buckets? So, you know, let's say I wanted to shift strategic work from 5% to 15% and team management from 15% to 10% and administration from 20% to 5% as an example. And then what I did was I went to my boss and I said, look, I'm really struggling here and I really need your help to help me work out what to deprioritize. I don't have all the hours in a day and I'm really overwhelmed with all of this. This is what I think I should drop, but it is going to have consequences. Do you agree that this is what what I should drop and will you support me with those consequences? And he said, yes, I think that is the right thing. I mean, he we, we had a good discussion about it. And then I actually then got the sort of permission to deprioritize the thing that we talked about. That was a huge weight off my shoulders and really helped me cope with this massive sort of influx of things that I was having to do. It's a really great story. And, you know, it actually makes me think that there's some really common threads between what you did and what the Goldman Sachs junior guys did in that you actually went through and did some work and came up with sort of an analysis and data 
to show it wasn't physically possible for you to do everything. And therefore, it was much easier to get the buy-in and agreement to get some some things dropped off your to-do list. Yeah, no, I think that's really insightful. I think that, you know, your boss is not a mind reader, right? And they're not in your day-to-day, so they don't really know exactly what you've got on your plate. You know, you need to help them understand what that is. Yeah, I think it's the other insight is that often when you say no, it's not you saying the word no, it's you approaching a problem in a constructive way with data to get the outcome you want, which would be the same as saying, no, I don't want to do this particular bit anymore. But you actually, it's not, it doesn't involve you saying no. Yeah, no, that's so true. What I said was, you know, what can I deprioritize? Yeah. And then I gave him a proposed solution. Yeah, no, that's such a great story. Well, there's some examples of how to say no as an employee. And I think, you know, one thing we both want to stress here is that while it does feel uncomfortable to say no, or even to go and have that big conversation as you did, Claire, if you have said no in the right way and for the right reasons, you will earn respect. You, you'll you earn respect for being clear on your priorities, for respecting your own boundaries, and for having the self-belief and the initiative to have the conversation in the first place. Yeah, that's so right. I completely agree. You know, none of us want to be seen as a pushover, do we? No, absolutely not. So should we look at how to say no when you're self-employed now, you know, even if it's a side hustle? I think we definitely should. Now, especially when your business is young, you have an inclination to sort of want to say yes to everything, don't you? Yeah, you do. Because you're worried that that person who's approached you or others may never knock on your door again. Yeah, I mean, that's right. But of course, there's an opportunity cost by doing that because it stops you chasing business you'd really love or doing more for existing clients or having the space to take on a new client that's either really profitable or work that you really love. So let's explore how to say no strategically so that you leave time and space for the work that really matters to you. Greg, do you remember we spoke to a guest on the show called Natalie Nahai about this? I sure do. Natalie's known as the web psychologist and her business comprises professional speaking. She's a best-selling author and a podcaster. Natalie's based in Europe and she's also, whilst there, been studying art. So she's very busy. Now, normally she travels the world for conferences speaking all around the world, but obviously COVID has put a bit of a spanner in those works. And she gets lots of requests to speak for free as well. Now, Natalie has a very strategic way of working out what she says yes to and what she says no to. Here she is. Number one is having a clear idea of what I want to say yes to, because obviously if you're juggling, it takes a lot of effort to juggle and it is stressful. I'm not going to say it's not hard because it is. So deciding what I feel is valuable and will help cross-pollinate ideas or projects that I have on the go. So for instance, the podcast that I decided to do, The Hive, it was a way of me kind of getting a sense of the territory around conversations of how tech's impacting relationships, the role that it might play in politics, all these different subjects, which are then helping to inform the content that I create when I give talks. So it's a sense of how can I work on projects that help move me in a direction where everything's working somehow together. From a practical perspective, if we're thinking about time management, I tend to know that the rhythm of my year is such that conferences happen at specific 
months during specific periods so then i know okay well if i'm free pretty much from january through march then i can really go hell for leather on the academic stuff or the course or whatever and i know that april may is going to be super busy or september and october are really busy so that's fine i know that i need to block out those periods and then i can find other times in the year for other things yeah and then also being able to say no to things super important that is super super important and something many people struggle with yeah so how do you how do you do it Flowchart. <laughs> Flowchart. No, seriously, because I used to take on all these different events and these exciting things. And I, you know, as you can tell, I, I get seduced by lots of things at once. So my problem is actually saying no to stuff. And so one of my friends at the time said, okay, we need to create a physical flowchart for you. We're going to sit down, you're going to map it out. And he made me do it. It was great. And so it could be, for instance, if it's a talk, number one, do I want to do the talk? Yes. Okay. Does it pay? Yes. Am I free? Yes. Fine. Do it. Simple. If it's okay, does it pay? No. Does it give you exposure? Now, people will always promise exposure and rarely is it actually anything valuable. If it's something pro bono, which aligns with my values, great, I'll do it. If it's something which is South by Southwest, then it makes sense because you've got a wider audience. So kind of mapping out by looking at your past really high impact project saying, okay, what was it about this that really worked for me? Then creating a flowchart off of that to say, okay, yes, it's well paid. Yes, it aligns with my values. Yes, it helps me improve whatever it is. You can then create something physical to look at so that when the email comes in, you think, oh, I should do that. Whenever there's a should, always examine it. Look at the flowchart. If it falls into the category of the yeses, go. If it doesn't, bite the bullet and say no, because it will free up space for more of the things that you need and that you want. I love that she's got a flow chart, don't you? Yeah. It's a classic decision tree, really. And I really like the clarity of it and how it spares her from that mental angst of should I or shouldn't I take that opportunity or say yes. I also really loved her comment about the word should, you know, that it's sort of an angsty word and that it's sometimes if you say you should do something, it probably means you shouldn't do it because there's a there's that inference of it being a bit negative. Now, even if you don't want to create your own flowchart, as Natalie did, you can still create a list of kind of criteria for your decisions that will perform almost the same job and make it easier to work out what to say yes to and what to say no to. Yeah, exactly. And particularly when you have a diverse portfolio of things you do, like Natalie does, then that approach can be just so valuable. Another idea I love from a writer and entrepreneur called Derek Sivers is simply asking yourself the question when opportunities arise for you, is this opportunity making me think, hell yeah? And he argues, if it's not, then say no. He says that when something comes along you actually are excited about, you'll have the space and time to give it your full attention. You'll be able to take massive action because you've cleared away your clutter in advance. As he puts it, saying no makes your yes to something else more powerful. I love the simplicity of that. And I keep toying with the idea of having a a hell yeah week or a hell yeah day or a hell yeah month, you know, because it can be a bit scary to only say yes to the hell yeah moments, the ones that really excite you. But I reckon if you had the courage to do that all the time, you'd have an amazing kind of portfolio or I guess, yes, it's portfolio of work because really that applies more to the um, self-employed. Yeah, exactly right. I think you should, I think you should do that. Yeah. <laughs> so today we've looked at how to say no, both when you're in an organization and when you're self-employed. We shared some sample no phrases that we think really help to say no in a constructive way. And we've looked at the importance of being clear on your priorities as well. 
Yep. And we've shared how having clear decision criteria or even a flowchart can make your decision to say yes or no that much easier and more stress-free. Well, that's this episode of How to Say No, done and dusted. If you've taken something useful away from this episode, then you should be receiving our weekly email. You can sign up at don'tstopusnow.co. In the meantime, stay safe, think about your true priorities and have fun. Ciao for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.